Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager here in the studios of Relate365.com. And normally I'm with Jason, but today I am not. I'm with somebody who's older than me. Oh, yeah. So it is younger, <laughs> older, and I'm with somebody that's much better looking and younger than me that's as well. Right. So we've got, we've got two people right. in the studio, and I'm the middle-aged one this time. I've been with Mike before, and mm-hmm. today I'm with Elizabeth. Good morning, Elizabeth. And tell us a, a little bit about your background. Where are you from, and what are you doing here at the Nicolay Bible Institute, which you're not in anymore? Uh, so why are you sitting here in this spot, and uh, what do you do? I am originally from the Milwaukee area, and I came up to the Nicolay Bible Institute last year, actually, to do that program. Um, I was in a spot in my life where I was coming out of a really challenging season and really wanted to invest in my relationship with God. It was um, pretty dry and wanted to... Now, you were an older student there. I was. Now, older is relative. Uh, (laughs) Obviously, you're very young to me, but you were an older student there. So you actually were in a career? I was. And what did you do for a career? I was a CPA. Okay. And you still are then? Do you ever lose that or do you... I I don't know anything about it. So... You can... um, lose your license if you don't keep up with the continuing education um, requirements. Okay. So, so what, I, what I'm going to hear is as an older guy, like a grandpa kind of age is, all right, so let's say you were my granddaughter and mm-hmm. you were in this career in the Milwaukee area, right? And you're a CPA, which I, I think is a very successful, honorable career. You like numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, good for you. I <laughs> Obviously, Mike and I have talked about that. So you and Mike get along real well <laughs> in that. So it's, all that's honorable. One day you decide, I, I don't want to stay in this career. I'm going to make a switch. That took some boldness probably on your part. Some would say faith. Some would say, what is it that went through your head that said, I really need to do this? And it, it, did you know that this would be for sure what you should do, or did you keep thinking this might be a mistake? Um, Fortunately for me, God made it pretty clear that this was exactly where he wanted me. Okay. I kind of um, pulled a sheepskin on God. Okay. And after I came up to visit, I really just felt like I belonged here and that I needed to come back to do the program. But like you said, it was a very challenging decision because of where I was at in my career and my life. Um, I turned 30 shortly after coming here. So not the traditional age for a student. And so I basically told God, you know what, I own a home in Milwaukee. I can't continue paying for a mortgage and right. go to school without a job. Um, and so if you really want me here, you've got to provide a renter. And Um, I just went home and started praying that. And within 24 hours, I had a family interested in renting my home. Wow. I had not done any advertising. I told one friend that I was thinking about this. And it was just very clear that I was like, okay, God, (laughs) I don't think it can get any any more obvious that this is what you want me to do. Yeah. I think the point I'm trying to get for people listening is when when you decided to come to Nicolay Bible Institute, it wasn't. The normal, okay, I'm finished with high school. I don't know what to do next. I'm going to hop onto the next train, you know, and do something. It was actually well thought out. And, and there was a, a new direction you wanted your life to take. Not that CPA and working with numbers is, is bad at all, but it wasn't 
correct me if I'm wrong, but it wasn't fulfilling you the way that you wanted to be fulfilled in life. There was something else that was missing. Yeah, not at that point. Yeah, okay. I would say when I jumped into accounting originally, um, it was very fulfilling. Yep. And that had changed over the years. So you found actually fulfillment in accounting, but eventually didn't in the actual process. Correct. Yeah, I'd yeah. like to say that's actually healthy in, because accounting is great. I think people need to do it. You need to do it right. And we need people that are Christians in that field. But to ever look at it as what you're going to find your life satisfaction in, you're going to find that empty because that's not how you were created. Is that right, Mike? I mean, what if you were just doing numbers for a, a big Fortune 500 company? How, how satisfied? Because you, yeah. you work really hard at what we're doing here and you do all that. And I look at you sometimes, shake my head and leave because it's, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of numbers to keep this place going, but you're really, really, really gifted at it. And yet you could be out doing it for some other business. Like Elizabeth could be out doing it for some other business. Well, I think you hit a, uh, you know, the nail right on the head when you talked about fulfillment. Because, yes, I could work in the business world, and I did for 20 years for a major corporation. And, um, <clears throat> and the whole point was you get to, you get to a point where, okay, Lord, uh, is this it? Is this, right. this is it? I'm going to make money for somebody else. That, you know, how does this work? And uh, is this all you want from me? And from that point on, then he takes you through a, I think he takes, once he gets that commitment from you, that you understand that there's, there's something lacking, well, then God can just take your life and he can just kind of run with it and say, okay, I got, I got a plan for you. Right. And you're going to find that out. So, so I think when I look at my job here at uh, Silver Birch and, and um, what we do here, it's really taken the experience. The numbers tell you a story. You look at a balance sheet, you look at a P&L, and you see trends happening all over be the expense side or the income side. And then when you can match those trends to what is actually happening ministry-wise, uh, you get a real picture of how healthy uh, the organization is, uh, where improvements can be made. Uh, so it's very satisfying then when in the midst, and you're praying about all this, that all of a sudden you see God working, making trends you didn't even know were possible. Yeah, It's really quite 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 amazing. Well, I, I'm fascinated always watching you and anyone in business because, you know, I, I know, I don't know the numbers. I still add with my fingers and toes and, you know, that kind of thing. But the bottom line really is I know how important it is, but you know, the giftedness of the body, it's your gift. So exercise it well, you mm -hmm. know, but you and Elizabeth have the, a similar story that I had. I, I mean, I was a school teacher. I wasn't ever up here full time right from college. But after three years, I thought this isn't this isn't it for me. Not, not that it was evil. I think there should be Christians in education. I'm just saying for me, it was, this isn't it. I thought, and my simplest thought was, I'm really not that good at the academics. Anyway, I had to, I had to teach a low enough class so that I understood what I was teaching. <laughs> Whether it be science or math or anything else, it's like, when you pick for that reason, it's like, well, uh, you're not, you know, that's not your gift. I loved the kids. That was my gift. I really did love them. I really wanted them to succeed. And I thought, you know, somebody else that doesn't know Jesus could actually teach them math. I need to go do something where I can tell them that God loves them. I just need to do that because the public school system for me was stifling. You know, I mean, I could only go so far. And uh, not that I couldn't do it. I, I would encourage anyone in public life. You know, I used to tell my students stories about Camp Silverbridge Ranch. And eventually, I get half the kids up here in the summer for a camp. 
and, and they did come to Christ. Mm-hmm. There is a ministry there. It's just the rest of the nine months doing it for me was exhausting because it just wasn't what God wanted for me at that particular time. Mm-hmm. So, so your story is very similar to what right. Elizabeth and I have, have gone through. You've re- you reached a point in your education career where I just want not fulfilled. Right. So you wanted to move on. And that's pretty, that's pretty cool. Right. And the yeah. tough thing is it wasn't evil, just like yours wasn't. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. evil to do what you were doing. And that's what I want to encourage our listeners to do. If you're right now, if the only reason you're working is so that you have income, I mean, that's it. And it's unfulfilling. And maybe it's time to rethink what you're doing in life because it, it, it's, you can do the same job, by the way, with a different attitude, and it could be meaningful. But it's time. If you're as someone in Elizabeth's age range, you know, I mean, we've had students actually mid-30s on down come to Nicolay Bible Institute because they're, they're just starting to rethink things through and saying, well, I need to somehow have a, a transition, you know, in my thinking. And a year at a place like Nicolay Bible Institute would do that. However, it had to be a little bit challenging because you were a little bit older, you know, when you came. And that the students that were coming were younger, and you knew that coming into it. So you were more like ministering to them, I think, while you were here just age-wise um, because of the way you think. Because you're not going to think like right out of high school when you're already a CPA and working in the business world. You're not going to do that. Yeah, it was a different experience for me. But I would also say that was a pleasant surprise um, and that the age difference didn't matter as much as I thought it might. Okay. And I never felt like I was excluded because I was older. Like, we all felt like a family. And, yeah, I had opportunities to minister to them being an older student, but I didn't feel like it was a negative. I felt like it was a very positive experience. Yeah, well, we sure enjoyed you, and I personally enjoyed you in class, and it was always nice um, to see how things did work out and you interacted. If people are thinking out there, boy, I want to understand more about that, go to nicoletbibleinstitute.org. That's N-I-C, Nicolet, N-I-C-O-L-E-T. It's French. It sounds like Nicolet, but Nicolet Bible Institute, one word, .org, and you can find more information. But now you're still here, so you're done with, you're done with MBI or Nicolet Bible Institute, and now you and Mike are partnering up to work on a new ministry that we're trying to develop. And uh, it really, uh, if you've listened to uh, this program before, you know that Mike and I have talked about foster care and the importance of the church and Christians stepping to the plate and providing what's necessary for those foster care kids in our country. Because there's a lot of them. Is there a lot of them? There are a lot. Yeah. You know, even with the, the COVID shutdown and stuff, it seems like there's things going on that are, are not healthy in places, and mm-hmm. we don't even know about all of them. And almost every social worker I've talked to says there's a crisis in, in foster care trying to find parents. And the mm-hmm. system itself is tough because parents who get into it are putting themselves in a tough spot. Now, saying all that, I want to ask you, Elizabeth, why are you interested in foster care in the first place? Well, I have experience as a foster parent. I was a foster parent for over three years before coming to NBI. And that really just grew out of a love for kids. And I am single. And so I was really just seeking God on what he wanted me to do with my love for kids. And he really just pointed me towards foster care, which was very scary. I did not ever really 
see myself um, doing that as a single person for sure. And so that was a journey that God took me on as well uh, to get me involved in foster care. And then once I got involved, it really was just a a journey of learning to love kids where they're at, um, also to love their parents where they're at, and see it as an opportunity for the gospel. Okay. Um, really to see it as a ministry opportunity rather than just caring for kids who need a home. Now, do you see a lot of uh, single people, single parents, whatever, uh, in the foster care system, or is that unusual? There are not a lot. I was kind of an odd. Okay. I know my daughter did it as well when she was single. Mm-hmm. And it was it really that first experience was rough. Uh, did you have a rough experience getting into it at all? Was it, was it tough on you? Was it what you expected? I mean, go into it. I, I think I'm hearing this, so correct me if I'm wrong. The, the nobility part was, was there. I want to help kids who are in need, and I can do that, and I have a career, and I have a place they could stay, so mm-hmm. I could do that. That's the noble part. Now, the reality part doesn't always match that. Is mm-hmm. that right? Am I stating that correctly? Yeah, reality can hit you hard um, yeah. if you... I think so often our expectations when we go into it are not in line with reality. Okay. And I don't think anyone's is. I think they think, boy, the kids will be appreciative. They'll, it'll just be wonderful as I have them in for... Now, did you do it for long term? Did you do it for short term? What were you doing exactly? I did both. So when I started out, I started out doing respite only. I felt like that was a better spot for me to start being that it's short term. I could work it around my schedule, working full time and stuff like that. It just, Explain respite to people in, in case they're not sure what that means. Yeah. So respite is a, a short term. Um, for most of the times that I did it, it was just like a weekend. And I would take kids who were in a long term placement with another foster family and give them a break. So okay. they were going away on vacation or they just needed some time to recoup and get their feet on the ground. Um, and, or <laughs> there were parents with newborns who just needed a night to sleep the whole night. Right. And so I would take their kids and care for them for the weekend so that they could get that break that they needed. Now, Mike, you too do rest. Is it respite you do? Yeah. My wife and I do respite care and, um, <clears throat> we got a daughter who actually is a foster parent. Okay. So it works out well in our family because we can do some respite care for her, uh, you know, when she needs a break. But also we bring in, we do respite care for people in the neighborhood uh, in the same community that, uh, that we have. So we've had, um, you know, uh, mostly infants, uh, but some, you know, up as adults as uh, three-year-olds that come in and do respite care. Do you so mind if I ask you how old you are? Uh, I'm 66. Okay, so you're doing, and your wife is somewhat in the same age bracket, yep. although she looks like 25. Um, <laughs> I, I hope she listens. <laughs> um, yep. But you're, so at 66, you, you feel like this is still something you can actually do? Oh, yes. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's actually a joy because you, you fall in love with these little guys. I mean, you know, we, we especially love the kids. And, and so you, um, and my wife has a gift for, for being a grandmother. You know, and I'm kind of the grandpa's side. So it, you kind of sit back and you just uh, you can pour a lot of attention on a child, even though you have them just for a few days. And uh, so we'll have them up to probably a week and, and uh, just be able to pour into their life the best we can. So it's, it's a, it's really, really, we really enjoy it. Okay. Now, Elizabeth, you're, you were single. Do you mind if I ask you how old you are? Currently? Yep. 
I'm 31. Okay, so 31 years old. You're 66 mm-hmm. years old. Mm-hmm. So either age group. So if you're sitting there thinking, I'm single, it doesn't work. I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm looking at Elizabeth, who it did work, and she mm-hmm. did it. I'm too old. I'm looking at Mike. <laughs> you know, it, it does work. Mm-hmm. Uh, the question would be, if, if you do sign up for something, okay, let's say I'm totally ignorant on this. What do I do to get into the respite system? Do I just call somebody and say, I'm available? And do you get to pick dates? Because I can imagine Christians or people listening saying, well, you know what, I, I can only do it you know, during this time or whatever it might be. Is that even feasible? Should they just not look into it then because they can't be called on at any time? Well, they, <clears throat> there's a process to go through. I mean, you've you got to get licensed or approved through the social services program. And it's a government program. thing? Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah, I know. I know. Never mind. But, I didn't uh, say that. <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, and basically you got to be, they have to check you out. Okay. okay. So, I mean, uh, we, are you good parents? You know, are you, you know, have you had any uh, major violations in your life that, uh, or you've been in jail or whatever it may be? They have to go through this process and check you out to be sure that you're safe to bring a child into your home. And who does that? Uh, that's the social services go through that process. So the county social services yep. department? So if somebody's interested, they could call the county <laughs> social services and say, I'm interested in being a respite yep. foster parent. Yep. And then they will start to talk them through it and how to do yep. that. Exactly. Yep. exactly. Does, does it cost you anything? Do you have to um, uh, apply money-wise? There, no. there, yeah, no. not, not at all. It's so just, the, it's all, I mean, it's not like it cost me $2,000 to go no. do this? No. Okay. And uh, Elizabeth, when they checked you out, was it nerve-wracking? I mean, was that hard? I mean, some people might be listening going, I don't want people coming to my house and tell me how to clean my dressers or anything. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. what is, is it a tough process or is it reasonable? I would say, considering the fact that we're talking about humans here that we're caring for, it is a reasonable process. Okay. Um, it is very detailed. Um, they pretty much know everything about you at the end of the day. They do. I mean, it's a full background check. They'll, they'll look at all your finances. They'll do a full interview on all your parenting processes, and they'll interview your kids if you have them uh, in the home. So it's a very detailed and in-depth process, uh, but I feel like it is good um, because we're talking about protecting kids here and making yeah. sure that They've already gone through trauma, and let's make sure they're not going into a home where they're going to experience right. more. Now, what adjustments in a home? Let's say I'm applying and they're coming to visit. What can I expect them to say, don't have that out, don't do that? Is there something that's kind of standard that I'm missing out? My wife and I are older. We have no kids around. Mm-hmm. and my, is, my house may not be ready for. Is that what they look for, that kind of yeah. stuff? That's going to be part of it, Yeah. yeah. And it'll depend on the age of the kids that you're looking to care for as well, what those requirements are going to be. Okay. Well, it's interesting because um, I I think some people would fear that because people are digging into your life and you're opening up. But I want to encourage anyone that's a believer, your life should be an open book anyway. If somebody's Mm -hmm. coming in saying, I want to see your finances, I want to see your house, you say, open the doors, show them. I know in the ministry of Silver Birch Ranch, Nicolay Bible Institute, and, and Mike, you can back me on this. I've always been very transparent. Show anyone that mm-hmm. wants to see the books, right. the books. Show, show anyone that wants, we get audited, show them whatever. They want the 990, mail it to them. Let them see it. Go, go mm-hmm. online, take a look at it. We're not, I think if you don't have anything to hide, then you should welcome somebody coming in. 
mm-hmm. and take a look at you. And those of us that are believers of all people should have nothing to hide. And if you cannot be in a position where you can help, maybe you should straighten out your life and get in a position where you can help. I, I mean, that's a possibility too, and use it as a motivation maybe to, to do something differently so that you could be a safe place for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Christians should do that anyway. You should, your house should be something where if somebody comes, they're safe. You know, at camp um, and at Nicolet Bible Extra, I, I have, uh, as the one who's the president of the ministry, there's four things I look at. And I try and evaluate everything through these four things. The, the first one is, are we effective actually at our mission? Mm-hmm. And that's to know Christ, to make him known. Are we actually doing that? Do we actually do that? Um, the second thing is, are we a safe place? You know, and, and that's very important that we're safe. Mm-hmm. Now, we can't guarantee that everybody who comes to these grounds, everybody who spends time with children, there's no way that you can guarantee that everyone's going to be a safe person. You can't do that because mm-hmm. people are really good at manipulation. But we need to set the goal and the bar pretty high that we need to be a safe place. That, that's what we need to do. Mm-hmm. So these checks shouldn't bother people, and we should be safe. The third thing is affordable, and I already asked you guys how much it costs. It doesn't cost anything. And uh, what I found through the years is everyone who needs help can't afford it, it seems. And so you've got to get the affordability, and you just got to do it because mm-hmm. we're commanded to. You don't do it because you're going to get something out of it. Uh, on that affordable thing, though, do you, are, are you helped at all financially if you become a foster parent? Do they help you feed or clothe, or is there any help there? If you become a long-term placement, there is a monthly stipend that you receive okay. to um, help cover the costs. Typically, it's not going to cover the full cost. Um, okay, but, but it, something. But it helps, yep. And it, what if you're a respite? Do you get any help if you're a respite? Yeah, there's a small fee for uh, respite care that they'll do. That's the same thing. You, know, you don't necessarily cover all your costs, but uh, remember, I mean, Usually the foster parent brings everything the kid needs to your home with them, so there's not a right. great deal of cost that goes through. Yeah, I'm just wondering, if, is that why they look at your finances? They want to make sure that you can actually support a child if they come in, uh, and if you can't do that, they might not allow you anyway? Yeah, and that you're not looking for that monthly stipend to cover your own costs, yeah. but that it's actually going to go towards right. the child. No, people right. would do that. <laughs> Never mind. I, I, I understand. We live in a time. You know, it's really hard, and I think you can substantiate this, both of you, that one of the things I, I try and teach college students that are here is that people actually, the sinful world, without God, people are actually evil. They, they do things they should not do. Mm-hmm. It's really hard for those who love the Lord, walk with him, to realize that people intentionally are out there doing things that they should not do. Because you have to call them wrong, you have to say it's evil, and then the children suffer from it. Mm-hmm. We as believers, that should not surprise us that there's evil in the world and that we get a chance to do something about it. I mean, that, that shouldn't surprise us. But what it should do is cause each of us to be in a position where we adjust our own lives so that we're not a part of that. In fact, we're part of the solution uh, instead. So we've covered the idea, okay, if, if you, know, you can go, you can call your social services, you can get checked out. If it's a financial thing, you know, get your house in order so that you can actually do this and help people. Um, and it, it, that would be a good thing. There are several resources where Dave Ramsey or whatever else that you can do to try and get your finances and, res- and resources to where you're healthy. Mm-hmm. The bottom line I'm hearing from you too is if you're healthy, why don't you share your life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
yeah. you know. And I think there's even more to that <clears throat> if you're healthy and, and you look at all the things that Christ has given you, okay? I mean, you've been adopted into a family. You've been accepted. I mean, you've been uh, redeemed. You've been forgiven. I mean, all these things that he's given to us, well, then it's when you're healthy, you can turn and give those things away to these kids. Right. You know, because they're looking for, for acceptance. You know, they've been rejected all their lives, or they're going from home to home to home, whatever it may be. So they're looking for, a, for this acceptance, just someone to accept them. Yeah. Uh, now, are they skeptical when they come to you, Elizabeth? <laughs> are they skeptical, like, yeah, you're acting like you care for me, but I've been there before. How, how often do they get bounced mm-hmm. around? Is that the right term? It's a term, okay. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, that's my blue-collar term yes. for move from house to house. But yes. how, how yes. often does that happen? Uh, it can vary a lot on the child and the situation. Um, kids with more challenging behaviors are going to get bounced around more because yeah. parents don't want to deal with those behaviors or don't know how. Um, but it really depends on the child a lot and their experiences on whether they're going to trust you or not. I had kids who would come in and the first day they'd be calling me mommy and giving me hugs. Okay. And then there would be others who are a little more resistant. Um, and honestly, even the fact that a child would come in and call me mom the first day is a sad thing to me yeah. Yeah, because right. obviously they don't understand what the true meaning of that term yeah. is. Yeah, they don't have an and attachment. The, yeah. yeah, and yeah. that says something about their background. You know, isn't that like all of us in a way when we come to God, he keeps saying, you know what, I want you to enjoy me. I want you to relax. I'm only going to do what's right. I'm, I'm worthy of your trust. I want you to be successful. Mm-hmm. And we struggle with him mm-hmm. you know, yeah. to do that. Right. And I think as you describe foster care to me in here, it's like, well, that's what they struggle with. Yeah. They're struggling with that same issue that I struggle with. So why do I think that's odd? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It gives us a chance to be Jesus to these right. kids. I mean, that's, that's the whole thing that drives it. I mean, if you can just uh, you know, give away what Christ has given you, I mean, it, it sounds simple. Uh, it can be hard when, those, when the kid wants to reject that, you know, first thing. So you become... Uh, um, may get a little disappointed, but if you stay at it, uh, good things happen. And you don't regret being involved? Oh, not at all. Not Elizabeth, at all. you don't regret being involved? Not for a minute. I tell you, what we need to do then is we need to continue our discussion. We will and talk more about there's a ministry opportunity that we're seeing here at Nicolay Bible Institute, Silver Birch Ranch, Relate365.com. They're all under the umbrella of silverbirchranch.org. But we're looking at expanding and, and working towards getting a place where we can help foster care families uh, be educated and be excited and, and, and do what we can as a ministry to push forward on some of these issues. Um, so we really hope that not only we download this and share it with other Christians, because we'd love to increase the number of Christian families in churches around the world, because this podcast is heard everywhere. Uh, going and and helping those who are the most in need. So go ahead and take this, share it with other people, and listen to the next episode of Younger Older because we're going to talk about a program that we're going to really try and develop here at Silverberg Tranch in a property that we call the Wolf River Refuge. And uh, hopefully you guys can fill me in as I ask questions on what we need to do to actually be a, a, a more positive and a more dynamic force in the church to try and help people get excited about helping the least of these in this world. And uh, if we can do that, great. 
Uh, you've been listening to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager, your host, and we're coming to you from the studios of Relate365.com. And uh, we're on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute, and you can find information at nicolaybibleinstitute.org. We'll be back.